Welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast with Don and Suzanne Manning. Parents, what if we could give you the power to transform your family into something absolutely amazing? A family where everyone is healthy, gets along, loves Jesus, and has great purpose in life. Hey, let us flip your thinking to unlock the power God has given you to create your own Crazy Cool Family. Hey parents, welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast. Don and Suzanne Manning here with episode 72, and you're going to love this. And we have some of our favorite people in the whole world with us, George and Kylie Washington. Isn't that so cool? We've got George Washington (laughs) with us, you guys. I remember, and and so just a little bit, George is Mm -hmm. African-American and and Kylie is Caucasian. And so uh, I remember when George... she's absolutely beautiful. You're going to wish this was a video. Well, and George is very handsome. George is beautiful as well. So beautiful. But not as beautiful as Kylie. Definitely not as beautiful. Right. I remember remember meeting George and he said, yes, my name's George Washington. I was like, really? Really? But so we've grown up with the Washingtons last, or known them the last several years. In fact... Their youngest son, Andre, and our oldest boy, Michael, practically best friends. You know, I mean, I would I would go all the way and say definitely best <laughs> yes, friends. Yes. I think I we mean, planned yeah. that. Yes, yeah, yeah. We, we actually planned that. Yes, yeah. with we, we met each other and we <laughs> yeah. said they yeah, are going to be, be best friends. friends. Yes. Yep. I, I used to walk into the house and Andre would be there and I'd be like, Andre, where's Michael? Oh, he's coming. Like, you know, Andre, are you going to Did you get something to eat? Yeah, yeah. I've already cooked the pizza. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Yes, and so uh, great family, great kids, and what's they just have a fascinating story that we're going to unpack a little bit here. And um, you know, the one it's a so uh, a mixed race marriage, first of all, and but all their kids and Kylie on your kids. We'll get to your story in a minute, uh, George. I want to go, but but you said you know your kids. They look African American, but Mm -hmm. but in their experiences, what what's happened with them as they have experienced life. Um, you know, when they were little, um, they were just like everybody else. Yeah. But as they, you know, got older, then um, society started to kind of put them in a box of being black. Right. Um, at home, you know, uh, we used to tell them that they're they're a person, not a color. Right. Um, oh, that's so good. And that's a challenge to to live out, I guess, when you go out into a society and they they are constantly telling you you're a color. Um, but I think that they've, they've grasped that idea, but yeah. yeah. So just a picture of their family and a little background. So George grew up in Chicago. So tell us a little bit about inner city, Chicago. Right. I did. Yeah. I grew up in inner city, Chicago. Um, uh, my mom was a single parent. Uh, my dad wasn't really in the picture much at all. And, uh, she raised me until I was about 16 and then I moved to Nebraska and my aunt finished. Okay, everybody catch this. Yeah. I mean, he's living in inner city Chicago, <laughs> moves to the Midwest in Nebraska. And had, had where they hadn't seen a black person. <laughs> yes. Is that what yeah. you had yeah. said? Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't seen a white person. Yeah. yeah. I hadn't seen a white I'd never gone person. to Nebraska before. They hadn't before. seen a white, but yeah. they hadn't seen Yeah, they hadn't seen a black yeah. person. Exactly. And remember the bus station, like, was yes. bustling in Chicago. Yes. And then in Chicago, we see cows at the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> In Nebraska, cows are in every street corner practically. So, yeah, and so, and and uh, I remember you telling us that you uh, you thought all white people spoke Spanish. I did. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't have a lot of exposure growing up in the inner city, uh, being around white people. But the ones that I did uh, have an opportunity to be around, they all seemed to speak 
you know, Spanish, so I just assumed they all did. Yeah. And that wasn't the case, obviously. Kelly, yeah, do you speak Spanish? No. Not at all. No. Gracias. No. Adios. Adios. Done. So, um, and then, uh, you know, inner city Chicago, um, going to Nebraska, you know, so totally different cultures. And, um, and literally, you were just, you know, we were just talking about this before the podcast that, you know, you, you saw a lot of violence. Yes. Yeah, I was about to say, how did you get there? Like, tell us, just give us a real brief yeah. story of how you got from Chicago to Nebraska. Yeah, I, um, you know, being in the inner city, obviously, there's a lot of, um, you know, territory that a lot of, you know, young men like to, uh, you know, like to establish for themselves. And we, you know, that's usually around gangs. And unfortunately, um, at the age of 16, I had a girlfriend. I was a sophomore in high school. And one day she called me and told me um, that some boys in the neighborhood who I know uh, told her that if I came around, that they were going to cause harm to the point that they were going to take my life. And and she told me to take it serious and not to be, you know, macho man and, you know, be tough guy. And I took it serious. I called my mom and told her about it. And fortunately, my grandmother, which is my my dad's mom, uh, lived not too far away. So I was able to, you know, go to her house and spend a few weeks there before my, you know, she made the decision to send me to Nebraska to. uh, And who lived in Nebraska? Uh, Nebraska was my, uh, my dad's sister, my okay. aunt, okay. and, um, I went and lived with her and my uncle. And there you met your beautiful bride. I did. <laughs> in high school, right? Yep. We were high school sweethearts. Um, I, I was a senior in high school and she was a junior. I went to the public school, small town. I went to the public school and she was at the Catholic school and small towns on Friday and Saturday nights, the high schoolers usually drag Maine. Right. So same. We did that. Did out. you really? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Did, did you know? Oh, yeah. Where the windows roll down. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You're going like five miles. Yeah. Not yeah, even that. Yeah, like yeah, two. Yeah. And you're looking like, yeah. who is it? And, and, looking and at me. Different, <laughs> different groups hung out at different parking lots. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you're like, meet me at IGA. But yeah. we were just, you know, we were talking about that, that from the inner city college wasn't really an option for you. I mean, it wasn't a, uh, an option that was talked about a lot. And then you came over into Nebraska, into this other world where college was almost expected or maybe are very encouraged. That's right? correct. Yeah. When I was growing up, uh, the, the military was the, really the only institutions that visited our schools. So you had the four main forces of the military visit and try to give you opportunities to, you know, further your, you know, your life after school in the military. And when I went to Nebraska, you know, it was colleges and things like that that were showing up. There was plenty more opportunities um, that I saw and and obviously had the influence of my future wife who also encouraged me to... (laughs) Dude, you're going to need a degree. (laughs) I know I'm marrying potential, but... Education behind it. (laughs) So then you guys get married in college. We do. Right? Is that right? Uh, yeah, we were, uh, 19 and 20. Yep. Because yeah. Kylie, you grew up in Nebraska, right? I grew up in Nebraska. Yeah. Yep. Born and raised. Yeah. Yep. And so yep. you guys, so tell us about that. So and, yeah. And, and so how, your degree was, and then, yeah. Well, we got pregnant. Um, I graduated a semester earlier from high school and we got pregnant that spring. Um, yep. right after, you know, when mm-hmm. I, I was a freshman in college essentially, and then we got married. You would propose to me actually in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how was that with your family though? You brought an African American kid so, home. So um, the the boyfriend I had before him was actually from the Bahamas. So he was black as well, but he wasn't super nice guy. So my parents weren't a fan of him for that reason. Yeah. Um, but race has never been 
an issue in my family. Good. Ever. Like, they didn't even bat an eye. I mean, they've, you know, as long as you treat me well. Right. My four right. brothers and my dad and all my uncles will be behind you. <laughs> so you guys got married right after that. And so, and then kids, can you have the, the three or how far are they apart? About 18 months apart. So yeah. um, we got the married. I was a sophomore in college. She was a freshman. We had already had our first. He was seven months old. He was seven months old. He was born in Christmas Day. We oh. got married in the following July. And then um, Ebony, our daughter, was born uh, 18 months later. Mm -hmm. And then 18 months after that, or about 20 months after that, our youngest, Andre, was born. Oh, good. Yep. So we had three under four. <laughs> and we were 23. I think I was 23. And you were in college a lot of that time. So. Was in college the yes. entire time. And working full time. And you? working full time. Yeah. yeah. Yep. What a great story. And then... Then was that stressful? Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> we did not see each other for the first two years of our marriage. At I all. began taking night classes because I was working full time during the day, mm -hmm. um, selling equipment across Nebraska, Kansas, and South Dakota. And so I would work all day and take class at night. So we. Well, and think about it, you were selling into these small towns in Nebraska. Very and we rural. were just, yes. And probably the first African, you said the first African-American they'd seen outside of a movie. Yes. So how did you overcome <laughs> and did you see racism at that yeah. point? What were some things that you saw in that? You know, um, Nebraska has a motto. They call it the good life. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that when I got to Nebraska, they were some of the most welcoming people of someone of my color. Um, they were very open arms and even in business. I would walk in businesses and they were willing to, you know, at least let me, you know, give them my pitch. Mm -hmm. And I got to the point when I was, uh, you know, promoted to run the company. I was managing the, the company that I was working for. I was just trying to get some sales experience while I was in college. And then I become the manager six months later and I'm managing mm. three states at the age of 20 years old. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. yeah. And you've said that, um, your experience in Nebraska actually shaped your perspective of white people. It did. Generally speaking, as a super nice and yep. um, positive experience. Yep. Yeah, extremely and positive. So what got you guys to Texas? So um, from Nebraska to Texas, we took, you know, a lot of uh, pit stops. So we moved to Colorado um, mm. uh, for a few years. We then moved to Michigan for a few years. And then I was with the same company and I took an opportunity uh, down here to Dallas. Yeah. And so how did people treat you in those different places as well? Um, Colorado was very much probably like Nebraska, okay. um, similar people. And we were just outside of Denver, you know, which is pretty diverse. Mm -hmm. um, you met some challenges in Colorado because you were with Edward Jones and you were selling and you were knocking door to door. And you said you found that challenging. Yeah, I think the door-to-door -door sales, I think, is challenging, you know, just because For anybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I can't, but yeah. even, yeah. Yeah, just because it's door-to-door. -door. Um, but um, but for the, the community, it was it was very much accepting. Yeah. Even the kids' um, classes were diverse, and, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was pretty diverse. Michigan wasn't as much, but they were welcoming. Yep. And so then you get to Texas, so and, and you get to the South, and you – we're in public schools at first mm -hmm. and you said that was a more diverse environment. Was that? Yeah. And um, they were in um, the Northwest ISD and it pulls from a whole bunch of areas. And so they had like 600 kids in their class in middle school. Remember that? Mm -hmm. And it was, and you know, it was, it was super diverse at that point. So they just kind of fit in with everybody else. Yeah. And so then you wound up at, we went to a, 
private school together here in the area. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's interesting, you said, as we as you moved into the private school area, you're, you found out almost later that your kids have experienced some, um, you know. More racism more, than they had anywhere else in all the other states mm-hmm. growing up. I just am so surprised by that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's the South and then also the age. Mm-hmm. You know? And yeah. also yeah, it was a little true. more affluent, like, like we said. And so I think sometimes that can maybe just play a part in, in some of that. But mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, and, and a lot of our a lot of our audience is, you know, Caucasian. A lot of our audience is middle to upper class. Maybe mm-hmm. a lot of our people are living in, and not everybody, but I mean, a lot of mm-hmm. our people are living in suburban communities, yeah. much like we live in here. And so, mm-hmm. but, you know, and you were talking about how that your, and your kids are, they look African-American, mm-hmm. but, um, and how they were accepted in the different cultures. So you have the mm-hmm. African-American culture, mm-hmm. as well as the affluent cultures, mm-hmm. as well as the, you know, normal public school culture and all that. Mm-hmm. How would, you know, tell us about that a little bit. Well, mm-hmm. well, society, as we said earlier, will accept them as being black because they're darker complected. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of a light skin black or a dark skin white, if you want to say it that right. way. Um, so when they're around their black friends, you know, they're considered to be somewhat white because they're light, (laughs) you know, they're not quite as dark. And then when they're around their white friends, they're considered to be black. Did you find that the African American friends had their own form of discrimination or was it, uh, how, when you say they did, they said they were white, was that a good thing or was it? I don't know. That that was mainly later in life when they went Mm -hmm. on to college, Mm -hmm. you know, they began to hang around more African American, but when they were in high school, um, they didn't have, there weren't any. Well, Ebony did because she was on a track team and so she, she was, had a little more diversity in friends, but I don't know that they ever said that their friends said that they were white. They're just called light skin and Mm -hmm. like, why are you light? You know, right. Because your parents are white or whatever. Well, and then Kylie, you even said something about in your home and how that that was even a dividing point too, and that your kids felt like they had to pick that they were either black or that they were white, but mm-hmm. they couldn't that that. And you're mm-hmm. like, no, no, yeah, you're you're both. I mean, yeah. you're us. Yeah. You're, yeah, yeah. Because if you, you know, in in our family, in our kids, you don't really have, you don't really have the choice to pick a side because you have to deny one of us to to choose, and. Um, for them, they have a unique challenge and a beautiful opportunity because they get to stand in the middle that most people don't. And they get right. to see two sides and they get to have a voice that's valid because they've experienced it on a very intimate level with two people that are the most important to them, hopefully. <laughs> that's good. Um, and so, but as, as a white mom, like I just don't, I can't fully understand what it feels like to walk around in brown skin, even though I'm sitting here trying to tell them you're not, you know, you're not a color, you're a person. And they're like, yeah, but you know, when, when I walk out of the house, I am. Well, and I think it was, it's fascinating how you guys have, you, you, you're a white person, but you know, these African American kids better than anyone. You're a great mm-hmm. mom, you know, and so you're in, you're in their lives, but yet, and, and even then you said at the, as we've gone through this social justice stuff that's been going on the last few months, you started a dialogue with them and learned a lot of things that you didn't even know about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you share a little bit of that, of your experiences there? Yeah, I mean, they just, you know, um, at the school that we were at, we I was invited to be on a committee to kind of discuss um, diversity and things that had happened. And the way I found out what had happened was I actually put in our group text, I'm in this committee, can you just kind of give me some insight? What should I say? 
or do you have any suggestions? And my text blew up. I mean, they were like, well, they said this and this and this. And so it, who was in the text group? This is our family. It was our family. So family, the kids, group text. family group Just text. kids and G and I. And uh, the kids just started saying, well, they said, you know, they shouldn't say this and the N-word and this and that. And and I was completely shocked. Yes, wow. Yeah. So. And so, okay, so I'm going to put you on the spot here. We know the N-word, but what are some other things that were said? Because um, I feel like that sometimes we are caught off guard and we don't even realize it. And so we want yeah. to invite you in to educate. And so what are just a couple of the things that your kids said, even in that group text yeah. that you were shocked by that I too mm-hmm. would be shocked by, mm-hmm. but might even flippantly say and not even realize it and yeah. then be horrified. Like, oh yeah, I see now. Like yeah. it's almost like open our eyes. Yeah. I was, I wouldn't say anything was actually, um, not you know it wasn't anything you would actually just say in the normal conversation it, a lot of it was it the was, n-word um some of it was like rosa parks comments and you okay, know like you'll bring okay. up a civil rights leader and just kind of flippantly say you know well you would be such and you know such and such like that doesn't like happen you, oh you'd sit in the back of the bus yeah like or you, you sit in the would, back of you the would bus be, so you'd uh, be one of them or um, okay you know oh those yeah. kinds of things but they, so not normal but conversation it, but wow. it messed with them a little bit they mm-hmm. remembered it and it May, and what did you get out of that as you've been t- processing with them? Of, you said there's some anger there. There's mm-hmm. some things that are going on. What are, their, what are your kids processing that mm-hmm. my kids didn't have to process? Yeah. Well, I think they, you know, when you experience things like that, there's a sense of isolation. Like you've been separated from the rest of the class mm-hmm. for whatever reason or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, unfortunately, um, they process that however they process it and they can process, process it in a good way or they can process it in a bad way and they, and they carry it. And so recently, you know, some of those conversations have come back and we've had some of those conversations at home in light of, you know, what's going on in the country right, right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Like for example, if you take the situation with George Floyd and how the, it kind of just erupted and everyone got super upset at first, I was like, I just, I mean, I get why you're upset. Like I, I get it. Um, but it almost seems super personal. Like it happened to, to them or to, to you. And it's like, why is that? And I just realized it's like, it's that trauma of being talked to like that. And all of that culminates. And when you see it, it's like a trigger. And so it's almost like all the things that had happened at, at their school, now they're triggered because that it's that same spirit. And suddenly they get angry. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that's yeah. a beautiful explanation. Yeah. Because mm. I feel like that sometimes I'm sitting here thinking, what happened? I mean, what is going on? What's the, yeah. what's, what's happening? This yeah. feels. Why are we so angry? Yeah, it feels out of proportion. Not that yeah. it's not. And so anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you were talking about too, that you are processing with your kids about helping them understand that the other people don't get it either. Yeah. So, well, so as a, as a white woman, uh, you know, I always kind of felt like we were a unit. And so it was like, everything we do, we do together. The two shall become one. You yeah. are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got scripture to back me up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, in this process, just recently within the last couple of months, I realized, oh, I don't actually get how they feel. Because yeah. I actually don't walk around looking and like them. And you're living with them you, every and day. Yeah, mm-hmm. they I they came so, out of yeah. me. Like, I birthed them. They're half me. <laughs> and I still can't understand what does it feel like to walk out of the house 
you know, yeah. and yeah. be looked at like that. Like I never even think about things like that. Well, and for some of our parents, <sighs> so I just want to say it's okay. You know that we, you know that it's okay that you don't get it because you you don't. But you know it doesn't mean we shouldn't try to get it. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and, and, educate yourself. Like yeah. I, mm-hmm. educate us. That's one mm-hmm. of the reasons that we brought George here. You know, mm-hmm. George, educate us. You mm-hmm. know, tell us as parents. Tell tell these young parents what it is that we need to be saying and doing to mm-hmm. our children right now, so that we can change the culture mm-hmm. of of our of our country, so that a George Floyd situation never happens again, and that our kids don't ha- they're not. Tra- triggered i mean Mm -hmm. that that's the like i don't want my kid to say or do anything that would trigger right you know anyone's kids yeah yeah i think the the i think you know unity you know starts with the individual and i think we all have a role to play when it comes to unity and if i were um, a young parent today i think the first thing i would do is is first off listen to your kids Um, kids today have many outside influences they've got their educators talking to them. They've got coaches talking to them. They've got the parents of their friends talking to them. They've got you social know, media, social media it talking to huge. them. Yeah. You know, they've got so many voices that are pouring into their into their life. And so, on issues like this, I think it's important that you listen to understand where they're coming from. But I also think it's important as parents that we sometimes have to deal with some blind spots that we might have Mm. in this area. And so once we deal with us, then we can now communicate to them and then they can now hear what the truth is around this issue. And so if I had to do it all over again, you know, that's where I would have started. I think when we were young, we did a lot of the talking and we didn't do enough listening. Oh, well, there's, there's some very valuable Is the problem parenting. to every parent yeah, out yeah. there, right? Is yeah. everybody going, amen? Yeah. I mean, that's me. Yeah. But lecturing yeah. feels so good. Yes. <laughs> but, but and I'm so wise. That you probably missed out on some things they were experiencing Correct. Yeah. with respect to uh, racism and things that. Yeah. And you were basically, and you were saying with that, you basically told, you it. I forgot how you said it, but you basically said that you that, that they. You didn't let them feel it, or mm-hmm. you, you basically told them they We basically shouldn't. just squashed what they were saying. Like, let's take an example. Um, when Colin Kaepernick took a knee, our kids were, like, compassionate in the sense that they understood what he was doing. And we're like, no, no. Right. We don't disrespect the flag. We're not talking about it at the dinner table. That's it. And now we're like, oh, you guys are, like, kids are wise. If you listen to them, they actually come from a pure place of compassion than we do a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And even though it sounds off and it challenges your maybe political and religious views, they can really shift your mindset. And so for us, I think we squash that instead of saying, well, why do you feel like that? Mm-hmm. And, right. you know, what? and then maybe we would have found out what was going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, look back to Suzanne's question. You're sitting in a room with a bunch of parents, and all of you guys out there, imagine yeah. yourselves in the room with us right yeah. now. <laughs> and and w- what else do you tell them? I mean, what you know, listening to your kids, having a so dialogue good. about it. I would say, you know, develop a heart that cares for other cultures because we're all created in the image of God. You know, mm. we may have different skin pigmentation, but we have the stamp of His divine creation. And so once you begin to care about other people, you can then see what these other what these other cultures go through. You know, we have a responsibility as parents to reach out to somebody different from to us, um, hear that person, build a relationship. People love to be connected with. Um, I've always said, you know, a thank you note is a real easy way to connect with somebody. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, you know, once. Remember to write him a 
once this happens in the parents, these values can then transfer to the kids. Right. Um, and we can expect our kids to think and act differently once they hear from their parents on how their parents think. Are, are there things? <sighs> Do you that hear that, parents? It starts with us. We are the <laughs> ones. We're the examples. They're watching us. When we reach out, when we act different, when we respond different, mm-hmm. then our kids, it's all, at that point, it's all they know mm-hmm. because that's all they've seen. Mm-hmm. Correct. Oh, so good. Yeah, and I think that what I w- would love to see is what's, what we're seeing is, is that, you know, my parents grew up in a certain amount of racial segregation, things like that. Their parents grew up, you know, our kids are growing up in a different world than we are. We need mm-hmm. to just, we're going to make that progress one generation at a time, mm-hmm. one kid at a time, one conversation at a time, mm-hmm. one example at a time. Mm-hmm. And that's how, you, what you, what I'm hearing you saying is that's how parents make an impact Correct. for social justice mm-hmm. and, and to eliminate mm-hmm. racism you yep. know mm-hmm. is that you know i love it that you said heaven's going to be very diverse yes and so uh, yeah. what what are we doing to make to god is going to accept mm-hmm. all kinds of people not just racially but different intelligence levels and different ways yeah. people look Interest. you know Interest, yeah, exactly yes. and yeah. so heaven's going to be a very diverse place mm-hmm. what are we doing to accept people and love people and be the example mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. and and i and i think you know um for those that are listening, um, if you're in a privileged situation yourself, don't necessarily expose your kids to underprivileged other cultures. Yeah, like let's go to a soup kitchen or let's, yeah, that, like that, that. That's great. That's a really good cause. We do have a and lot you should of do that. you know yeah. families and kids. <laughs> but not for and diverse reasons. That, <laughs> yeah, but but experiencing other cultures is not taking them to you know you know a charity event. You know, mm-hmm. experiencing other cultures is really. You know, going to schools and mm-hmm. and learning about you know what these kids are learning and you know finding out things that they do or maybe even getting your kids involved with a basketball team that maybe looks different. Right, that's so good. So it's not about looking down and helping down. You know, mm-hmm. and that's good to do, mm-hmm. but yeah. but not for purposes of diversity mm-hmm. and exactly. things like that. Because you you develop that that particular culture might not be as good as you are because mm-hmm. you're privileged mm-hmm. and you can then create an unintended bias. That's interesting. So what about, what would you say like wow. uh, mission trips and things like that? Or, or I think those are great. Yeah. I mean, those, those are life changing. Yeah. 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 And because they get exposed to other cultures, Just a whole culture. Yeah. 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 I think that, um, to his point, it, I think that it's important to take out the us in them. Like it's just us. And so when you go to, a soup kitchen or you you know you're exposing them to a certain viewpoint all of the time of, of a certain culture you're actually creating and molding their perspective on what those people because you know kids you just put the two together and and we all have it like if you go through your own heart and sift through and even ask god to put fingers on like where do i have that where did i grow up and learn that um you know so and black people are this and just really let him challenge you and bring you to a place where um, you can find freedom in that area. Because even like George has it, I have it. We all have those um, areas. And I just think that when you have the kids exposed to friends, like just have a friend. 
that's a yeah. different color mm-hmm. and they're just your friend. We did that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you know, it's funny because some people will seek you out and be your friend because yeah. we, we have had that. And that's honestly yeah. <laughs> feels a little offensive. You're like, we're just normal people. Yeah. Like right. Right. we're not that interesting. Mm-hmm. A and B we're just normal people, you know? Right. So, you know. I don't know. George is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's interesting. <laughs> well, and so what would you tell? So I, we it's good. Were, I, Parents, a lot of my parents that I know uh, that are white feel like we're kind of walking on eggshells right now mm-hmm. because, you know, what do you say? You know, it mm-hmm. feels like that, you know, I, I, I compare it to when Suzanne and I are not getting along, you know, whatever I say might be interpreted <laughs> yeah. a little differently. Mm-hmm. You know, or it's so, just wrong. Yeah. You just said it wrong. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and that's it. And that's it. it. I mean, it doesn't yeah. really matter what it is you said. It's wrong. The, the, just say you're sorry. There is no right. Yeah. Sometimes I could be, uh, that's, what, that's a subject for another day. But, but, you know, I, feel, I feel like that's a great comparison to how a lot of white people feel right now. It's like, oh my goodness, I don't want to offend, but, what if I don't know? It's enlightening, and all this stuff is coming mm-hmm. up, and and people feel like they are very sensitive. Mm. Was there some advice you would give them to what to say and not to say in these? Um, you know, you know, it's it's really tough to to give advice, you know, big picture. But I would say if you if you began to have friends of different cultures, and you began to you know do things together. I mean, you have a relationship, you hang mm-hmm. out together, you go to dinner, you know, you play games together, you begin to understand them better. Mm-hmm. I think it will evolve into you understanding that culture. So it won't be what not to do. You'll just know how to interact with that culture just right. because you've mm-hmm. experienced. So they need to go mm-hmm. practice. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Well, and also mm-hmm. I, we found in this season, a lot of people have reached out to mm-hmm. both of us, but specifically you and said, okay, tell me. Mm-hmm. And so if you know anybody, it's not offensive. You, It's actually um, feels so compassionate for people to reach out and go, okay, so how do I do this? Or how do you feel about it? Or just tell me. And um, so if you, if you are a parent listening and you do know someone, even if it's someone not close to you, I can say from us personally, it's not, it's not, it's not offensive to call and say, Hey, I don't understand. Help me. An example. I had a colleague of mine who just built a house in a really nice neighborhood and him and his wife and his dog was out walking and they saw a black couple. And his response was, do you, do you live here? Now it was an innocent question to the black couple from him. He was just trying to meet his neighbor because he was new in the neighborhood and he said, should I have said that? And I was like, well, I probably wouldn't have worded it that way. Oh, right. So um, good. Yeah. You would have said, which house do you live in? Yeah. Like, I mean, right. I you said, or how like, long hey, do you hey, live here? We, how we long live in the neighborhood. You know, how long have you guys lived here? What do you think? Mm. I mean, you, you, he's wanting to connect, but mm. his question, if I'm the hearer of that question, would s- assume that, hey, maybe I don't belong here. So that's mm. why you're asking me why, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. where do, you know, where do you live? Yeah, that's so good. That's yeah. just one example. Well, that's not an offensive question to ask someone that you've connected to because mm-hmm. they're gonna you're gonna trust that they're going to, you know, provide you with how they would have interpreted that question. Yeah. yeah. And take it one step further. If you feel like that would have been your first question, ask yourself why. Mm-hmm. Like, why do I feel that way? And and let me clean that up because your kids are gonna become who you are, not mm-hmm. what you say. And so you have to become someone who's compassionate about other races for your kids to be well and the thing that just keeps going off in my head that you guys talked about is us and them 
And so yeah. to ask God, that was that's an us and them statement. I mean, mm-hmm. all of it. Is this an yeah. us and them question? Is this an us and them? Mm-hmm. Am I approaching them as an us and them situation? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just ask God before you open your mouth, before yeah. mm-hmm. you say anything. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Such good insight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's very good insight. And, and you were even saying, Kylie, that, you know, you were in a store and saw a, 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 a couple of another race mm-hmm. and you checked yourself and was like, because you had a thought. And so yeah. I think so often... I know I, I, we were talking about that. I have a thought. And just because we have the thought, there's so much that's conditioned. Mm-hmm. You know, when I grew up in Denton, Texas, mm-hmm. I was telling you guys that the African-American people lived on the other side of the tracks. And so mm-hmm. there was a certain mindset that happened in Denton, Texas mm-hmm. in the 1970s and 80s that uh, that I have to get that, you know, there's there's thought patterns mm-hmm. that are ingrained in our head. That's okay. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. part of our past. But mm-hmm. when you have those thoughts, you go, huh, okay, yeah. I need to think It's take every thought captive. It's yeah. present it to the Lord yeah. and then ask. And that's what we want to do. We just want to bring an awareness. And I love it to ourselves. Yeah. And then live it so then our kids see it. And yes. they don't, they're yeah. not bogged down with the thoughts. Yeah. They don't even yes. have the thoughts. Yeah. Isn't you don't have to what? be like, okay, Susie, let's go find a black friend. Like, <laughs> yes. Let me get out my Google and see if there's anyone close. You know, yeah. like yeah. just love people. Yes. And, and just, and, you know. and for those listening as well, you know, this is where our nation is. It's really easy for us to assume that this message is for white families to connect with black families. But it's also the other way as well. Mm-hmm. If you're a black family connecting to other cultures as well is just as important and not assuming all white people are prejudiced exactly yeah. and for mm-hmm. white families to connect with indian families and to connect right with, yeah you know, all, it's, it's just seeing yeah. we all can do right? better yeah. we can yeah. all look and be, be more open yeah. to that so yep. uh man suzanne do you have anything else that you want to bring out before we wrap this up you, um we are so grateful so good yes i think it's you know uh so grateful for you guys uh, in so many ways, uh, not just on the podcast, but uh, just thank you. For being you so our much black for, friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're one black friend. No, you actually shouldn't. No, no. The one thing you shouldn't say. <laughs> you opened the door, though, to, to I mean, we have diverse friends. I yeah. mean, all the kids do. Yeah. They all have all different friends. Yes. And um, I mean, but and you that's guys that are generation. living this. You guys love people well. And so you, you've actually lived out what you're asking us to do and that's why we're, we're your friends because <laughs> it was never like oh you want to be my black friend right it's right. just like hey i like you you like we didn't me, just but... meet and start this podcast <laughs> <laughs> you didn't find us on google <laughs> but it's just but, but even with that there are challenges that we were raised in a white place and you know and, and mm-hmm. certain in the south and where we are and so we have to overcome things that mm-hmm. that that happen, and so, um, and just, uh, uh, it, mm-hmm. it's a, uh, I just want to say that to parents, that, mm-hmm. yeah. hey, deal with your, it's just like anything else, it may be with uh, mm-hmm. socioeconomic status, or, you know, there's so many things that we have to overcome, mm-hmm. different, you know, what did Jesus say, he said, take the log out of your own eye, yeah. mm-hmm. and then you can take the speck out of your, we got a lot, I find myself taking, the, you know, continuing to try to take that log mm-hmm. out of my eye, and I think uh, uh, we can all join with the parents that are trying to do that. So there but, is one. I'm sorry. No, no, there is it. one because no. when I listen to things, I'm like, just give me one thing I can actually do. Yeah. yeah if take you away. have littles, um, like diversify their toys and diversify mm. what they watch oh, on wow. TV. Mm. You know, get dolls that don't look like them. You know, American Girl loves to do the one that looks like you, which we did. But get one that doesn't. Get two or right. three or four that all look different. And then 
on TV find cartoons that have, you know, or shows that have diversity so that they see all different um, colors and creeds and races all of the time. So yeah, it's not good. abnormal to them. Excellent. Yeah, Excellent those, practical and advice. And we have a lot of parents that have little, so that's a great yes. parting advice. So anything yeah, those, else? Yeah. Oops. Any, any other pieces of wisdom? I think we're good. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> that was gold. Yeah. Um, well, thanks again, guys. And parents, thanks for listening. Hopefully this will help you to navigate this social justice movement that's coming in. With sensitivity. Navigating the anger that's out there and navigating how to how to deal with it. Whether whatever race you are, wherever you are, and whatever friendship group you have, and we just need to keep I love what you said, George, is we're gonna keep loving people and that's what Jesus wants us to do. So thanks again guys and parents go be crazy. Crazycoolfamily.com